This is all Mountain Media. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp.com and PrideCounseling.com. To receive 10% off your first month of online therapy, visit BetterHelp.com slash PNW. Today is a great day to make a change. Hey, Will, toss me that line, will ya? We gotta get this boat across the mudflats before the tide goes down. We got hardly any time. Hold your horses, brother. I gotta untangle this mess. Well, get a move on, then. Starting to get spooked out here. I hear this is where they found a couple of bodies last week. Aw, jeez, George, relax. No one is gonna mess with the Lightfoot boys. The SUP has got our back. SUP? I doubt they have anything to do with this. You saying that the Union is responsible for the murders, and that's why we're safe? You're crazy, little brother. Just crazy. Well, think about it, George. Last week, two bodies floated up. One of them was Jefferson, a staunch opposer of the Union, right? And the other, that man was responsible for turning in two captains. Those were the guys that opposed Goal. Now, why would he turn up floating on the water? You tell me. Well, I suppose he just made the wrong guy mad. Had Goal in the Union's back, so maybe he just tripped and fell in the drink. Huh. I think you're wrong. I think someone is playing both sides. And I think that person is who you think it is. I think it's Billy. Well, if we just quit messing around and get that damn boat across the flats, we can head to the bank and cast a few lines. Come on, let's go, Will. Hey, Will, you see that floating thing in the water? Where? There, underneath the old SUP building. Looks like a dead seal or something. Let's go check it out. Oof. Oof! You smell that? Old tide and rot. Ah, I hate that. Let's pull up next to that seal. Maybe maybe we can pull it away from shore. Do the wharf folks a favor. Um, Will? Oh, Will? Uh, that's not a seal. That thing's got two legs. Move closer. Oh my god, it's a thin. Look at that. Stark naked as a jaybird and bloated as a whale. White skin all swollen up. Good god, that's horrible. Look, uh, look there. Half the left arm is chewed off. This guy has to have been dead for weeks. God, this is awful. Look, look at the back of his head. Bullet holes. I count too. You see him? Yeah, look at that. We gotta tell someone. Now, now hold on, hold on there. Will, we gotta be smart about this. I'm not sure telling the coppers is gonna do us, or anybody, any good. George, we gotta. Old Mayor Ben is tired of these murders. And we can help him clean up this town. Come on, let's head to the station. Someone there will want to see this. As the sun sets, two young boys head to the muddy shores of the Indian Creek outlet and find their favorite fishing spot underneath the floors of the Sailors' Union of the Pacific headquarters. Mean old Mr. Goal often warns them of staying away from his building, but this is a prime fishing spot. Hey, Johnny, help me put a worm on my hook. Gosh darn it, Jack. You're good for nothing. Hey! Hey, you see that thing floating in the water? Yeah, it's tied down by something. Maybe an anchor. Johnny, Johnny, that's a man! We gotta go!
Mountain Media, I'm your host and writer, Russ Blackmore, and this is Legends and Tales of the Pacific Northwest. Season 2, Billy Gold, the ghoul of Grace Harbor. A series about one of the most prolific serial killers in United States history from the small town of Aberdeen, Washington. A killer that nearly got away with murder. This is Season 2's fifth and final episode, Rotting Away. On the morning of February 3, 1910, the morning after a floater was found underneath the SUP building and Billy Gold's office, two young brothers by the names of William and George Lightfoot discovered the body of a deceased man floating near the shore of Grays Harbor, close to the mudflats of the Indian Creek outlet. Later that day, two young boys were fishing under the building, and they too saw the body, not 18 inches from the surface, tied down by a rope attached to an anchor. Aberdeen Chief of Police George Dean had been told that the body of a sailor by the name of Charles Hadberg and a local cigar dealer by the name of John Hoffman were floating in the creek, and he ought to hurry if he wanted to see them before they sank out of sight for good. He ran the five blocks from the station to the point of interest, and lo and behold, he could find no evidence. However, the body turned up once more further down the shore and was transported to A.C. Walls' coroner's office, where four men participated in the autopsy of the corpse. With the body being close to Gold's office, the stories of the labor spy Patty McHugh and the pressure of the mayor's office mounting, the police finally issued a warrant for the arrest of Gold. It was about time. The townsfolk were ready to see an end to the murders. They wanted their town back. They wanted their wages back. They wanted their lives back. I don't want any visitors this morning. Billy, Billy, it's Officer Church. I need to speak with you. I got a handful of men with me, so open up, or we're coming in the hard way. Jesus, can a man get a moment's peace around here? Fine, I'm coming. Bill, uh, uh, Wilhelm Cole, this is a warrant for your arrest. What? Why would I come with you, Johnson? Why would I do that? Because I'm the only chance you've got. And fighting will only lead to your death. What's the charge? We can discuss that later. Come on now. Turn around. Put your hands behind you. This is crazy. This is goddamn crazy. I know, Billy. I know it's crazy. I still can't believe it myself. Come on now. Let's go. I'm sure Bessie's waiting for us. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever felt like you're in a tunnel? The sides are closing in on you. You're unable to escape the overwhelming feelings of unhappiness, anger, worry, or fear. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is, therapy works. It's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better. Because you deserve to be happy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. 
it's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And special offer to Legends and Tales of the Pacific Northwest listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash PNW. That's betterhelp.com slash PNW. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. On a dark day in February of 1910, Billy Gohl was arrested for the murder of Charles Hadberg, a former colleague and a supposed friend. Evidence pointed to the fact that Gohl was responsible for the murder, and he was kept in jail until the trial took place later that year. No bail. No freedoms. Gohl was finally locked away. And just as you might guess, the murder rate in Aberdeen and the surrounding areas declined. Gohl and his defense attorney objected to the selection of the jury. As the Sailors Union of the Pacific was not on strike at the time surrounding the trial, Gohl claimed that he would not get support from the SUP. Things were going well for the Union. Why would they want to be tied up in a murder case? Gohl had obviously been dismissed from the Union and his shack over the outlet of Indian Creek was closed up. They had no investment in him, and he knew he was in this for himself. Defense attorney Hutchison, representing Cole, would later claim the following. The jury selections process was in direct violation to Section 22 of Article 1 of the State Constitution because it deprived the defendant of his life and liberty without due process of law and equal protection of the law. You know, it's funny how lawyers can spin anything they want into a narrative that meets their own agenda. Another sign that the American justice system is an irony in terms. Justice? Explain that to the thousands of falsely imprisoned, the wrongfully accused, and the families of victims that have lost their lives and well-being at the hands of criminals. No, the American justice system is flawed. All it takes to see this is to dive into individual cases, such as goals, to see the corruption that spreads from the lawmen to lawyers, from the police to politicians. During the selection of the jury, state law disallowed jurors who did not pay property taxes. These would be men who earned their keep and owned no property and sympathized with gold. Did Gold deserve sympathy? No. No, he didn't. However, this shows that slanted side of the law and the opportunity for interpretation to meet an agenda. Goal was evil. There's no arguing that. But he should have received a jury selected without prejudice, shouldn't he? The prosecution also pushed to have numerous members of the jury dismissed from duty as they opposed the death penalty. It was plain to see that the death penalty was the end game for the prosecution. 
considering that the structural inequities of the U.S. legal system made workers the most likely group to be killed by the state, removing those opposed to the death penalty was just another way to rig the system against the working class. Jury selection took three days. The cards were stacked against Gold. With the removal of would-be sympathizers, he had little to no chance of escaping the ultimate sentence, death. The defense called 12 witnesses to relay an alibi for Gold, including his wife, Bessie. But only six showed up, and Bessie was not among them. Had they found their way out from under the grip of Gold? Did they see the light from above releasing them from his grasp? was accused by Klingenberg of committing the murders of Hadberg and Hoffman, and claimed that Gold told him that Bessie would commit the murders if he didn't. Bessie heard this claim of Gold's, and was frightened of being accused in open court of the potential accomplice allegations in the murders of Hoffman and Hadberg. The only thing Gold could claim, there was a conspiracy to bring him down. The union wanted him replaced, the workers wanted him gone, the politicians wanted out, and the townsfolk wanted to walk in the streets free of any fear of kidnapping or murder. Gold's time was up. He had nothing, nothing to go on, nothing to excuse him from the accusations. He was going to face the death penalty. He was going to join those whose life he had cut short, but still, there might be one way out. With an undecided member of the jury, Gohl was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. On May 11, 1910, just after midnight, Wilhelm Gohl was found guilty of murder in the first degree. The arrogant and smug look on his face disappeared. He dropped to his chair, looked around the room, and wept. The courtroom officials picked Gohl up by his elbows, half carrying and half guiding him down a long, dark hallway with a few swinging light bulbs causing shadows to move back and forth. The sound of rain hit the roof, and thunder was ominous.
Bessie would come to her husband's side and through the bars of his small and damp jail cell would state that she would never leave him, never desert him. She later was accused of threatening a state witness on the streets of Aberdeen. She had apparently lost all hope, all grip on reality, and was seen talking to the walls of the buildings in the streets, shouting at the top of her lungs and throwing accusations at everyone who would pass her by. Years later, she would die in the town of Walla Walla, not far from the state penitentiary that housed the worst characters in the state, and the only facility to embrace the death penalty and carry it out by hanging and electrocution. As for Klingenberg, he was later found guilty of second-degree murder for the killing of Hadberg. He demanded that the imprisoned Gold be present at the trial, but his earlier confession had already damned him to a conviction. He was sentenced to 10 to 25 years in the state penitentiary. Upon his arrival at the state penitentiary in Walla Walla later that year, Gole had been placed in a solitary cell. His transport had been done in secret, and there was no assurances that Bessie, or a few of the stragglers of Gole's gang, would try to free him from the bonds of the law. The sheriff in charge of the Chehalis jail where Gole was being held wrote to Walla Walla State Prison Warden C.S. Reed ahead of time, stating, I want to keep the day of his departure secret from the public as much as possible, as his wife is not acting right and just might try something desperate when she finds he's going away. On June 17th of 1910, Gole began his sentence at the state penitentiary. Known as Prisoner 5779, Gole worked in the prison as a tinsmith, apparently behaving as what the Aberdeen Herald would report a model prisoner of the pen. He spent time in the library reading up on the law, looking for a way back to freedom. He contacted his lawyers, but they knew any chance for a retrial was off the table. And so he considered the last possibility, insanity. Gold was sent to Eastern State Hospital in Medical Lake, Washington to serve out the rest of his days with those that were found also criminally insane. And with the possibility of any freedom now taken away, Gold would sit at his window in his small cell. He'd stare at the lonely pine trees rustling in the dry and hot wind common in the eastern side of Washington State. After a few years, he would contract pneumonia complicated by dementia that was caused by syphilis. His ending was slow, painful, and torturous. He watched his own body rot away. Perhaps the death penalty would have been too good for Billy. Perhaps his quick escape from life would have not rendered the punishment he deserved. Perhaps this was the revenge that his victims would take on him were it in their power. We will never know, as they all met their endings before their time, floating in the bay. For the hundreds of sailors, loggers, and would-be investors that Gole knew, his death was the final chapter in their short lives, even if they weren't around to witness it. On March 3, 1927, Wilhelm Gole, the German-born American nationalist who became the most notorious serial killer in United States history, surrendered his last rattling breath. The shadow of Gole would no longer haunt the people of Grays Harbor. The ghoul was gone.
This has been a series on one of the most prolific serial killers of all time. Billy Gold, the ghoul of Grays Harbor. I grew up visiting Aberdeen frequently while making my way up the Olympic Peninsula in Washington State and enjoying the unique and wondrous shorelines of the Pacific Ocean. If you have the interest, you can drive by the small, two-story, three-room house of famed grunge legend Kurt Cobain, frontman for Nirvana, who died mysteriously in Seattle in 1994. His house sits on the corner of Boone Street near the Wickshaw River, the waterway where Goal would dump the bodies of his victims. And even now, as I drive through Aberdeen, I can't help but feel the oppression of the early 1900s. It's a town that's coming back to life, despite the few broken-down buildings. But its history is one of depression and derelict existence. Billy helped start that all. His legacy is not only one of murder, but one of economic dissolution. Gull's grave can be visited in West Medical Lake, just outside the Eastern State Hospital grounds. The hospital continues to serve as a 317-bed inpatient psychiatric facility, providing inpatient treatment for those with long-term mental illness and those that have been sent after receiving civil court orders or by a behavioral health organization. Many of the residents of Eastern State Hospital have been convicted of a crime but claim insanity through the criminal court system. Longtime horror film enthusiast and director John Carpenter visited the site of Billy's demise. In 2010, 100 years after Billy was convicted, Carpenter shot the feature film The Ward, a fictional story surrounding a young woman in the early 1960s who claimed to have been bruised, beaten, and drugged with laughing gas from an unseen entity. The film doesn't mention Goal or any other characters, but what if this is Goal torturing from beyond the grave? What if this is his ghost continuing the path of relentless torture and murders? Hmm. The imagination roams. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star rating and a review. Your support helps these stories circulate the overpopulated universe of the podcast galaxy and will bring light to everything your history teacher forgot to tell you. If you'd like to read more into the life and times of Billy Gole, check out the fascinating and well-researched book by Professor Aaron Goings, a local author and professor in Western Washington State. The Port of Missing Men is available wherever fine books are sold. Don't forget to visit the show on Instagram at Pacific Northwest Podcast. Follow along where you can see pictures of the sights and sounds described in these episodes. You might even spot the ghost of Billy Gole. I'm Russ Blackmore, and this is Legends and Tales of the Pacific Northwest. Stay tuned for Season 3, The Tacoma Terrors where we dive into the anti-Chinese movements of 1896, 
incredibly poignant in today's unsettling social climate, this story must be told. That's next season on Legends and Tales of the Pacific Northwest. See you soon. Just shows you can only go, only go so far and not get caught. Mm, I'm dying for more. I'm dying for
We live in a world of mystery and mostly from questions within ourselves. Pride Counseling is affordable, private online counseling for the LGBTQIA community. You can get access to licensed, trained, fully accredited counselors and therapists. And if you can't afford counseling, there is financial aid available that you can apply for. You get unlimited 24-7 messaging with your counselor, meaning you're connected with a counselor the entire time via your phone or computer. With Pride Counseling, you can connect with an LGBTQIA counselor from anywhere. And as a special offer to Legends and Tales of the Pacific Northwest listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at Pride pridecounseling.com slash pnwpod. That's p-n-w-p-o-d. Again, that link is pridecounseling.com slash pnwpod. Thank you to Pride Counseling for sponsoring this podcast. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever felt like you're in a tunnel? The sides are closing in on you. You're unable to escape the overwhelming feelings of unhappiness, anger, worry, or fear. I have, many times. Over the years, I've tried to solve my own problems, lean on myself, and suppress the depression of my past and the anxiety of my future. Then I decided to do something about it. And while I'm still a work in progress, I know that without getting help, those invisible monsters would reach for any opportunity they can to consume me. They still do. But with online therapy, I'm conquering those monsters. And it feels good. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is, therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work. Maybe you're not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better. Because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself, because you are your greatest asset. And special offer to Legends and Tales of the Pacific Northwest listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash pnw. That's betterhelp.com slash pnw. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast.